Mic on. Pass five loaded with right. Adjust. Pass six loaded with hope status. School and mic off. Good afternoon, folks. This is Joseph again. This time we're going to be uh, playing the podcast called The Rapture Ruse. So I hope you find this inspirational. Mic off. A great controversy rages between good and evil, and humanity is caught in the crossfire. Satan has crafted his most cunning end-time deceptions, but his plans are doomed to fail. Get ready to anchor your minds in truth as the Bible exposes his lies and prepares us for our soon-coming Satan. And now, live from the Campus Hill Church of Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California, we bring you this presentation of The Great Controversy, End-Time Deceptions. Hello and welcome to 3ABN Camp Meeting. Y'all having a good time here? All right, praise the Lord. We got a noisy group here for those of you who's not here. We love it. So we like people that's excited about the Lord, excited about the message that God has given us to take an undiluted three angels message as one that would counteract the counterfeit into all the world. And I want to thank all of you watching, all of you here for your love and your prayers, financial support of 3ABN as we continue to take the, the three angels messages into all the world. Uh, today it's a privilege uh, to introduce the speaker of the hour. I've known him for a long time. In fact, I could say all of my life. It's uh, one of my brothers, older brother, Kenny Shelton. And uh, so we have three older ones. I'm the youngest of four. And, uh, but Brother Kenny's been preaching for a long time. And uh, he and his wife, Chris, have Behold the Lamb Ministries. How many watched him on 3ABN? All right, a lot of hands up here and some amens. And uh, so I know Kenny and Chris well, and their heart's desire is to tell the world about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So I respect Kenny tremendously and uh, love he and Chris and, and appreciate so much what they do for the cause of God. They never ask for anything. They're servants. They have servants' hearts. Anywhere we want to go or want them to go, they say, tell us when, we'll go. And I appreciate them again so much. But before Kenny comes to preach... Uh, we have some special music today. I see Tim Parton and I think Brother Ryan Day and uh, is going to be doing it as well with my soul. And Ryan, thank you so much for what you do for the cause of God. And Tim, both of you, incredible musicians. I'm so thankful they're on God's side, aren't you? Because both of them have the gifts and talents and abilities to sing anywhere in the world. But thank you for choosing God. All right. Sir, praise the Lord. It is well with my soul. It's my favorite hymn. And I love the, how it was inspired, not so much the story in and of itself, because it's a sad story. A guy who lost all of his children, uh, his business and the Chicago fires of the 1870s, and it just seemed like this Christian man was being tested beyond measure. But as he was traveling across the Atlantic Ocean to go meet his wife after he had just lost all his daughters, he pinned down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea 
Praise God. Man, they talk about having church. We're having church, aren't we? Praise the Lord. I tell you, that was beautiful. And it's good to be here. Good to see all the familiar faces. We're making some new friends, we pray. And uh, we're getting reacquainted with some old friends. So it's been good. Arabian Cat Meaning is a wonderful time to come together. And we are very thrilled to be here. As uh, some of you probably looking in your, 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 your bulletin or whatever you have here, you know our subject matter we're going to be talking about. I like to get down to business, you know. There's going to be no monkey business today. It's going to be God's business, isn't that right? We get down to it because we're living in the last hours of earth's history, and we do believe that Jesus is coming soon. And we need to, these messages that you've been hearing, take them to heart Take them home with you and share them. Just before we begin, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kneel up here and just have a word of prayer. You can kneel with me or sit there. We're just going to pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege we have of prayer. Thank you that we can call you our Father. Lord, we need you right now. We pray in a special way you'll pour out your Holy Spirit upon each of your children and upon the word that is spoken today. May we hide behind the cross of Calvary. May Jesus be seen and heard today only. Lord, we thank you for hearing. Thank you for answering. Fill this place with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and energize us for your soon coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, it's good. If not, pencil and paper, because we're going to go quickly through the Word of God together. We're going to talk about the, uh, 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 we talk about a rapture. Anybody heard about the rapture? And there's some who say, call it the secret rapture. Others just call it a rapture. 
Now, this is a subject that to me is life and death, and I'll mention it over and over several times as we talk about this afternoon. If we have a wrong concept or thought about this subject matter, I'm going to be bold enough to say that we will be lost. That's pretty bold, I understand. We will be lost. We cannot be fooled on this subject, but the devil is doing his very best. So we're looking at a rapture ruse. And we'll define that in a moment in case you've not heard that word in a while. But, you know, how many have heard uh, about a book called Left Behind? Is anyone? Yeah. Oh, well, there are a few of you not too shy. That's good. But, you know, I'm not going to ask how many purchased one and how many read it. I really don't care about that. I just wanted to know if you had heard of that book, Left Behind. It starts out as kind of interesting with a, it says, a boring force, what is it, 747, headed toward London. And without warning, notice the passengers mysteriously begin to disappear. Kind of interesting. I was in the airport one time, and I saw uh, the pilot. He came through, and he had his little black bag, you know, they have with him. He said, be careful, because I may be raptured away. Well, I didn't know whether to get on the plane or not, but I think I understand what truth of God's word, so I got on the plane. In this book, in this book, as they got on the plane headed toward London, passengers again mysteriously, they, they, from their seat, terror, they were terrorized. There was chaos in that plane. And of course, it went worldwide. It just didn't stay there. All of a sudden, it just spread worldwide quickly. And it's an unusual event. And it continued to unfold Notice, because there was some left behind, the apocalypse had begun. Interesting word. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a good story to me. But I think today, not trying to attack the writer or the book at all in any form or fashion, but notice with me, if you will, just a few facts. A few facts of the author, best known for his, this book. And he called this book, listen to me, a novel. Isn't it? It's an, and then another word he used is a fiction book. Well, I'm not too interested in fiction. I'm not too interested in a novel. I'd like to know what the truth is, is from where? The Word of God. So notice, many people were deceived and fooled because they read the book and they thought this could really happen or may be happening. A book, a novel, a fiction this author has written over 50 books, both fiction and nonfiction. There's also a Left Behind series for children. Interesting. Uh, many of you have heard of NPR, National uh, Public Radio, said that this book, notice this, this book sold over 80 million copies. 80 million copies, and many believe this book as a fact or to, like out of Scripture. Maybe they didn't ask, maybe they didn't understand, but you know we need to get in Scripture to find out everything. We are to try the spirits, we're to test them to see whether these things be so. 80 million books, that's an awful lot of books, is it not? The Bible is very clear that the enemy is going to be deceiving here in these last days. Found something, a little quote there in Second Selected Messages, page 92 said this. Notice this. Every conceivable message is coming to counterfeit the work of God. What does the devil do? He's a counterfeiter, is he not? 
right? For every truth that God has, what happened? Keep this in mind. For every truth that God has in his word, the devil has a, he has a counterfeit. Now, there's no exception to the rule, we might say. So it makes a difference then what we believe, does it not? Yes. Truth. We're sanctified by the truth. The Bible tells us in John 17, 17 for sure. I love the book, The Great Controversy. If you have it and you haven't been reading it, you should. Page 592 says this. So closely will the counterfeit, notice this, resemble the true that it will be impossible. Notice what? Impossible to distinguish between, notice them, not, not, them except through the scriptures. So it's going to take scriptures to distinguish between the false and the real. You take the Bible and you compare line upon line. And notice Satan will deceive, notice this, anyone who is willing to be deceived. Get that word, put it under your hat. Think about it. The, the enemy will deceive anyone who is willing to be deceived. By the grace of God, say, I'm not willing to be deceived. And I say this, I believe with all my heart, ignorance is no excuse for error or sin. Where there is notice, where there is every opportunity to know the will of God. I think in this country that we live in, there's every opportunity to know what truth is. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, right, to impress our hearts and our minds to stay with the truth. We need not be falling behind, but God's church, all churches, need to be moving forward in what is truth today. And not, not accepting a lot of these things that, you know, come, we call, come our way. Every wind of doctrine, rapture, the rapture deception, the rapture swindle, if I may use the word. What does ruse really mean? R-U-S-E. The dictionary says this, something used to produce the desired effect. And then it says tricked. No, the enemy is in for tricks, is he not? He's wanting to trick and to deceive. So once again, for every truth God has in his word, there is a counterfeit. Untruths are told about the coming of Jesus. How the devil wants to, you know, put up some kind of false second coming to try to get us off a of track because he's, he's scared to death to think that you're going to be prepared. The enemy does not want you prepared for the second coming of Jesus. This is a dangerous subject if we don't get it right. And so today, by the grace of God and the Bible, we're going to get it right. We don't want to lose eternal life. Why? Because we're either going to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior... And we're going to follow him, isn't that right, all the way. Or we will accept the enemy as he comes as an angel of light. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, right, it says even the devil, the enemy is going to come as what? As an angel of light. So he's going to try to deceive, is he not? Millions and millions of people believe in a thing called the secret rapture. Well, the Bible may be... And I believe teaches something different, and we'll look at the Word of God. I'm going to take three areas that we want to look at and put it real simple. I like simple things. I'm a simple person. We're going to look at the false version first. Then we're going to look at the true version second. And then we want to answer the question, why is it impossible or why is it important to know the difference? It is possible. What's the importance? Notice this. It's to know the difference. Well, let's go back, shall we, a few hundred years and go over what we call the secret rapture theory. 
It was laid over 400 years ago. Now, why was it? What's the, what was the purpose of it? The purpose of this teaching was to try to stop, try to slow down the Protestant Reformation. Okay, are we thinking together? Trying to slow down the Protestant Reformation. Now, remember, the Protestant Reformation, I think today, as we you know, move around as Christians, that we need to have a little more of the protest of error. Is somebody awake? Yeah, we need to protest what? We need to protest air. The Protestant, right, the Reform movement was protesting air. And as the Reformers were reading Scripture during the time of the Reformation, several of the Reformers, now remember, this is not for the weak and the faint or the spiritually, you know, we talk uh, the, the weak. This is for those who really want to understand and know what truth is. You have to call it the way that it is. History bears fact to it, the Reformation, that the Reformers, they were studying the Word of God, and all of a sudden they see there need to be changes made. Isn't that right? Changes had to be made. And you know what? Again, in our churches today, there needs to be a Reformation. There needs to be a change. There needs to be the people of God that stand for what is truth, though the heavens, as it were, fall. We need people to do that. It's a reform movement. We need it today by the grace of God. To simply get back something new? No, get back to the old. Get back to what was there in the very beginning, just like God said, go back to the beginning and start over. But as these reformers or reformation individuals, as they were studying of, you know, the, the Bible, they come across something that was very, very interesting. They've come across, notice, they identified the Pope as the man of sin. Did they or did they not? Those of you who have studied. They identified the papacy, the Pope, as the man of sin or the son of perdition. Have you ever read that in the Word of God? There's a warning against that. Have you ever word that, read it? I want to just turn there quickly in my Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Notice with me quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses what? 3 and 4. Notice this. Now, we talk about heavy duty. It's okay to get heavy duty. This right here, we're either going to prove that it is or it isn't. The Bible says, let no man deceive you, right, by any means, for that day shall what? Shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Hmm. The man of sin to be revealed, the son of perdition. Notice this son of perdition, this man of sin, what does he do? Verse 4, he opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he has God, notice this, sets in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's pretty powerful, is it not? And so the reformers begin to read this, and they said, my, my, look what we found here. And they begin to shout it out. They begin to print it out. They begin to tell others about what they had found right here. The man of sin, the son of perdition, simply means the one who's going to ruin things. The one that talks about loss. It talks about destruction. Martin Luther was one such man as he studied the Scripture. And he said, and he said to the church, he said, I believe that, you know, the Pope is the you know, son of perdition and so on. And the church, the Antichrist, he said, of prophecy. Hmm. And so all of a sudden, all the fingers begin to point toward the church of Rome. And so as everybody was eyeing the church of Rome, what was said about them, they said something has to be done. Some changes have to be made because everybody is looking in our direction. So what happened? Well, certainly there was two 
I'm going to call them a Jesuit priest that were used in this. The job came up to them. They, 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 you've got to find something that would take eyes off of the Roman church. And so history bears fact to this. You can study it for yourself. As the eyes were on Rome. And notice the teaching we're talking about today is the basis or the foundation. Notice, I'll tell you, of modern Protestant theology today. And so there's da- it's danger. It's a big danger. The first one, this is in the 16th century. We'll go over it quickly as we can. His name was Alcazar, right? It was, he applied the, this, this system of what became known as the preterist school of prophecy. What does that simply mean? A very simple term. He applied the beast powers, the beast powers of the book of Revelation to the very first century and said they had no future application. Well, all of a sudden, if you believe that, then eyes were off of Rome. And so that was put out there, and people began to be confused. The second Jesuit priest, Francisco Rivera, came up with a system known as futurism, futurist. That school of interpretation, simply meaning, again, to take our eyes off of Rome, he taught the Antichrist was to be someone that would be in the the future, before, just before the end of time. So they thought, well, it can't possibly be the church of Rome then. So the Jesuits were putting out some false teaching. And interesting, many of us are still following that today. We're getting away from the word of God. Interesting, the future, to talk about into the future here, the end. They said that there would be a power that would rise up. There would be a man of power here, a single person. He would be believed, you know, received by the Jews. They would rebuild Jerusalem. Notice some of the things here. They would abolish Christianity. They would deny Christ, and they would persecute the church. Interesting thoughts here. How sad to come up with a teaching that there is no scriptural basis. And may I say today, many people still do that. Then the church today come up with things that are not Founded in the word of God. And sometimes you and I sit by idly and do nothing about it. God would have us to protest that. Give us a thus saith the Lord for that. I mean just think about this. There's no scripture involved in here. That uh, would say that these men were right in their teaching. But I just have to say. And I'm not trying to be mean about it. But isn't that just typical of a Jesuit doctrine. That has hoodwinked millions hoodwink millions. Now, that's our concern. Not trying to put a group down or try to elevate a group, but many people are confused on this Bible subject about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And of course, in the 1800s, we find the futurist group, we call here the view of Jesuit Rivera, pushed forward a few changes, and so they added. Isn't that interesting? If we need to add, we just add. And they added the seven-year tribulation period. Interesting. They take something out of Daniel 8, 14, 2,300 days in the sanctuary cell be clean, right? They take Jesus out of, you can't take Jesus out of anything. You can't do it. But they take Jesus out of the center of prophecy. Jesus coming as the Messiah. Jesus dying on the cross. The gospel going to the Gentiles. And they take it and they put it to the very end. You can't take anything out of prophecy once it starts and begins. And so they, and then they added the thing called the secret rapture or a snatching away of individuals or a church. Now there's danger there. I'm not trying to criticize or condemn anyone. 
But there is a danger because people believe that they believe in this doctrine and this teaching here. They're not preparing for what is coming upon this world as an overwhelming surprise. They are not preparing for the coming of Jesus. Why? Because if you don't make it the first time, you're going to have a second chance. You're going to have another opportunity. Listen, in this world, you have one chance. That's it. But the enemy is saying, well, don't worry about so much right now. You know, hey, there'll become a little secret rapture. Some will be taken. The others will be, remain, and, and we'll go on. They'll be evangelized. Is that what the Bible teaches? That's not what the Bible teaches, and we're going to prove that from the Word of God. That's a danger. That's a red flag because millions that never not prepared to go through a time of trouble that this world has never seen. Be nice to say there's not going to be a time of trouble. Wouldn't it be nice to say that? But that's not true. It's going to take a special relationship with Jesus Christ that may be experienced that many of us may not have right now. If you think you're just going to float and coast on through, will you really be preparing in the right way to what's coming on this world? Let's do a quick run-through, if you don't mind, of a few verses that those who believe in the secret rapture use. And let's just see if they stand the test of Scripture. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 40 and 41. Matthew, chapter what? 24, right? Verses what? Yeah. Yeah, good, 40 and 41, Matthew 24, 40 and 41. I like to say this, this is what the Bible says. This is not what a church says. This is not what a denomination says. They may say it, but that's not what we bank on. It's what the Word of God. This is what God's Word said, and we'll do it as quickly as we can. Notice verse 40, there shall be two where? There's going to be two in the field. One's going to be what? One's going to be taken and the other left. Well, if that be true... Now, notice, if we stop right there, you might try to build a teaching, a doctrine on that. But we can't stop there because the Bible doesn't stop there. There's going to be, what, two in the field. One's going to be taken, and the other one remains. Well, it makes a difference on the one that remains. What happens? Does that person remain alive, and they have another opportunity? Or is that person going to be dead? Let's see what the Word of God says. Remember, always in Scripture, you know, kind of put a little line by this, if you will. Always in Scripture, listen, at the coming of Jesus, there is always a separation between those who are righteous and those, uh, the unrighteous. We always know there's how many classes? Two, the saved and the lost. Here we say the saved and those who are left behind. So we're going to look at it closely at what the Bible says. Remember, every time it talks about the second coming, it's always the saved and the lost, the righteous and maybe the unholy. Now notice, does it mean when you say left behind, does it mean that they are alive or that they are dead? All we have to do is back up a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 24. It's beautiful, verses 37 through 39. And I always like to say, here's what the Bible says. Notice Matthew 24, 37, 39. But as the days of what? Noah good was, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. How many times have we read that over and over and over until it, no, it doesn't mean anything anymore? We need to pay attention to what the Word of God says because God means what He says. He means what He says. As the days of Noah. Notice what were they doing in verse 38. The Bible says they were eating and they were drinking and they were... huh? Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Now notice, at the th coming of Jesus, or a close of probation, or the end of this world at the time of the flood, notice what took place here. What did the Bible say? 
and they took them all away, so also would the coming of the Son of Man be. What is it saying? Again, we look at there's a separation at the time of the flood, is there not? Yeah, the saved or the righteous did what? Oh boy, we're such a, oh boy. You can talk, it's all right, it's good. Yeah, the saved, right, the righteous did what? They obeyed the voice of God and they went into the ark. Now remember, there's two groups, right? Separation, saved and the lost. Those who were lost, this what? They stayed outside of the ark. Now, the key would be, are they alive or are they, or are they dead? Well they, well, they died, did they not? Interesting. In other words, they, they didn't stay alive and had the opportunity to have a second chance or, you know, think they can be saved some other way. Interesting. The left behind, the wicked, were outside and they drowned. They died is what the Bible says. Let's give a couple more passages so maybe it comes a little clearer to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I love this passage. I know you do too. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but 16 and 17. Now notice we're not going to read it all here separate time. But remember, we're talking about what? at the coming of Jesus, what? There's going to be somebody say separation. And I'm just going to get so happy. Well, that's, I'm not too happy yet because it's too weak. At the coming of Jesus, there's going to be a, it starts with an S, separation. Always keep that in mind so you're not fooled. There's a separation at the coming of Jesus, the righteous and the wicked. So we, don't, we won't forget it because we're going over it here. The Bible said, ooh, I love this. The Bible said, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught, what? Ooh, be caught up. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're caught up in the clouds. Remember this. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in your mind. When Jesus comes back the second time, his feet will not touch this earth. Oh, I need somebody to listen. If you believe otherwise, I'm telling you right now, based on God's word, you will be deceived. When Christ comes back the second time, some of you have never, never maybe heard about the third coming of Jesus. Whoo, glory. I wish we had time to talk about that too. Second time he comes and gathers the saints. Isn't that right? And he, right? That's what the Bible said here. Now, remember, the dead in Christ do what? The dead in Christ rise. Whoo, why? We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. Notice this. The dead in Christ do what? They rise first. What a wonderful time that will be when my Jesus I shall see. It's going to be like popcorn machine. Things going off. Do you see it? Popcorn. People coming up out of the grave. The righteous come up out of the grave. It never mentions the wicked or the lost the left behind here. It just mentions the righteous. So the righteous dead pop up out of their graves. Oh, what a day that will be. We long to see mama and daddy and granny and grandpa. Isn't that right? But notice it says, then we which are alive, talking about the righteous, will be caught up to meet him in the air. Oh, well then, what about the wicked? We've got to think about the wicked here. What about the ones uh -oh, that are left behind? Hmm. Well, it's very easy if we go to the word of God, isn't it? In 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Two words I want you to hang on today. Remember... The Bible said, and then shall that wicked, the wicked here is translated guilty. Here is that guilty. No, so wicked is going to be revealed whom the Lord shall, what's the word? 
consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the what? The brightness of his coming. Two words notice in there. It says, now notice, you can't get around this. The Bible said when Jesus comes, the wicked then are going to be destroyed. They're what? They're going to be consumed, the Bible said. The Bible said they're going to be destroyed. Is that what happens? To the, absolutely, that's what it says right here. By the brightness of his coming. So we know it's at the second coming of Jesus. Yes, we certainly do. Now notice this. Those left wicked what does it say? Those that are left, the wicked, are destroyed, the Bible said. Wish we had time to do it, but Jeremiah chapter 4, if you're jotting notes down, verses 25 and 26. Tells that Jeremiah was looking around after the coming of Jesus, and he simply said, I'm not going to read all the verses, can't do it. He said, I looked, and there was how many men? The Bible said, uh, Jeremiah said, I looked around, and lo, there was no man. Notice, huh? the cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord. Something big is going on here. What a time, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. Let's use one more. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2. Speaks about, and this is probably the one that most people look at. They'll say, oh, he comes as a what? As a thief in the night. Let's look at that very carefully. Also 2 Peter 3.10, it refers to him coming as a thief in the night. So we need to look at that closely because it sounds like if you're just reading through, well, he comes like a thief, so there it is. It's going to be secret. Huh. Remember at the coming of Jesus, there's what? Somebody say separation. separation. That's called the S word. There comes a separation. Righteous, right? And the wicked. There's a separation. What was the apostle saying here to us? He was using, right, he was using the figure of a thief to emphasize the unexpectedness of the coming of Jesus because the Bible simply says right there, if the man had been watching, his house would not have been broken up or broken into, right? Jesus is telling us that today. If you are wide awake, you will not be shocked of what's going on in the world today. And most people should be shocked, and if you're not shocked, you need to get shocked. Is that Okay. Because of the nearness of his coming. If we want heaven to be our home, we have to be like those that are in heaven. And only Christ can do that in and through us. Coming as a thief. Take heed, beware, it's telling us here. Be prepared that all that's coming upon this world, notice the words, as an overwhelming surprise to most. It should not be a surprise. Jesus never wanted his second coming to be a surprise. He warned us over and over and over. So we can look and we can see quickly up here about something called secret rapture. It's not gelling with scripture. Let me just give you a few scriptures, I think just a few verses here, how Jesus will come. Number one, it is literal. The Bible says it's really going to happen. I love second, uh, or, or I think it's Titus 2, verse 13. The Bible said we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. What are we looking for? Somebody say blessed hope. We're looking for that blessed hope. See, somebody should jump out of their pew, maybe jump over the pew, because we're looking for that glorious hope. Isn't that right? The glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. After all, is that not what we want? 
We want Jesus to come. Isn't that right? Interesting, we look at passage of Scripture, 2 Peter 3, verse 12. 2 Peter 3, verse 12, the Bible said, we're looking for, and what? Hastening into the coming of the day of the Lord. We're not only looking for the coming of the Lord, but we have the opportunity by the grace of God to hasten what? Hasten the coming of Jesus Christ. Hasten it by doing what God has asked us to do. This is not an ordinary movement. If you feel like you're ordinary, something's wrong. God has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. God has given you a message to this church. And I'll be if we haven't messed up that message a lot of times. Is it okay to say that? I get a little too much here. You, you let me know. I'll probably go on anyway. But <laughs> Think about it. God has given us a specific message to give to the world to warn them that he's coming. Amen. And he's giving a test called the three angels' message to give to the world. First, second, third angels' message, Revelation chapter 14. We dare not overlook that. It's a testing truth that God has given. Everyone will be tested upon it. So see whether you're going to go into heaven or not or you're going to hell. Say that too? Yeah, I just did. Thank you. Yeah. Looking for, the Bible says, and hastening the coming of Jesus Christ. Here is a truth. Christ came in personal way the first time, did he not? Christ he came. Praise God for that. You can read that in Matthew 1 and so on and so forth. A truth. He's going to come the second time. We can all read in our favorite passage of Scripture, isn't it? John chapter what? 14, 1 through 3. He said, I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I, woo, I will come. Did somebody get excited? Did, did you feel a little something in those dry bones? <laughs> Spirit of the living God's going to breathe on you, and those dead bones are going to come alive one of these days. We need to be lively church, not dead church, not an unhappy church, but a happy church. I'll tell you, this is what God wants for his people here in these last days. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The Bible says so. His coming is a literal event. It's really going to happen. Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible says, verse 28, he shall appear the second time, notice this, without sin unto salvation. He's going to come the what? The second time without sin unto salvation. It's literal. You notice that? It's a personal event. When the disciples, you remember, saw Jesus ascending up to heaven. Man, what a treat that must have been. What a treat that must have been. Man, how it thrilled their souls. See Jesus rising on those clouds, right, going back into heaven. Maybe some of us need by faith see that. We need to by faith to see, right, our Lord and our Savior is went into right to the heaven, the heavenly sanctuary, and pleading our cases because we are in the hour of God's judgment. We are and have been there a long time. And one of these days, mm, he's going to cut it short. And it's going to be all over with, and we'll quit playing church. We need to quit playing church and get right with God and get serious with God. This is what it's all about right now. Get serious. These disciples, they saw Jesus sending up in heaven. They were serious about it. And my, how wonderful in Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Notice this. They were looking up and saw Jesus going, and, and the angels, a couple of angels appeared. Do you remember? They said, this same Jesus. <laughs> this same Jesus. Oh, I may say it again. This same Jesus, right? What does it say? Who was taken up from heaven will so come in like manner as you see him go. You can't miss this truth. He's going to come in 
like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible said, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Disciples saw it. The disciples were witnesses of it. I want to, by faith, to see it. I want to take a hold of that promise of God. I want to see it. I want to see my Jesus come, don't you, in the clouds of glory. And I want to be taken, as it were, okay, taken up to meet him in the air. I'll tell you, if you miss heaven today, you've missed your purpose for being here. There's no reason for you to be here. Is that okay? Is that a little bit personal? That's kind of personal, though, isn't it? But there's no reason for me to be here. There's no reason for you to be here if heaven's not going to be your home. Right, let's put it that way. I look at that, and I challenge myself with that every day. If heaven's not my home, what in this world am I doing here? This is preparation, right? This is preparation. Tests and trials. Praise God for those tests and trials. They make the man of God and the woman of God. Christ's coming is visible, the Bible says. Revelation 1-7. You see, again, it's secret. Oh, if people walk along, boom, they're gone. All you see is a pair of socks <laughs> down there. Well, what happened? Well, I'm just saying, we have to think about it maybe. But some really believe that, and it needs to stop. Because they're going to be fooled. It's not about right and wrong as far as this group's right, this group's wrong. I'm not doing that. I'm doing what God said his word because they will be fooled. And God says, no, he doesn't want us to be fooled. He said, behold, he cometh with clouds. Woo! And every... Now, we got the unbelievers. You got the doubting Thomases, the skeptics. When he says, oh, every eye shall see him, the first thing out of their mouth is, well, that's impossible. <laughs> Let me do it different. That's impossible. <laughs> you know how they do it. And what are they trying? Listen, nothing is impossible with God. When he says, every eye shall see him in Revelation 1, 7, we need to get with the program and say that ends the deal right there. That ends it. Every eye shall see him. Well, but we're on kind of what we call a round planet. <laughs> you think God's not big enough to perform what he says in his word? I believe he's big enough. I know he can do it. And some of you want to study some things and get excited about. And I'm going to throw this out. And some of you, I'll start to say throw something back. No, don't do that. <laughs> I love to throw things out. Challenge your mind with it. Maybe you've been studying on it. I believe, studying in the Word of God, right, and you can read some verses there. I think of Job, like Job 38, verse 31. It talks about Orion belt loosening. Have you heard that? Read, think about that. Those who gaze up into the heavens, look at Orion, and they're saying, we can't see inside all of that, but there's some of the most beautiful lights and things in there that's not in all the rest of the heavens. There's something up there that's different. Something's gleaming, glaring, coming out of there. We don't know what it is, and it's interesting. They studied it, and they said the opening in Orion is between 200 and 300,000 miles across. Somebody think about that. This little old earth planet is what? 25,000 miles around it. Oh, we're nothing. But you know what? God thinks we're everything. Yeah, he thinks you're so special if it's just been one. But here it is, all of a sudden, they say they don't understand. It seems like such a big opening. Can we even comprehend 200,000 miles, 300,000 miles? But notice, 
It's going and it's expanding because I believe that's where heaven is going to come out of and that new Jerusalem where heaven is emptied and all will come through it. And listen, it has to expand or heaven can't come through it. Well, I guess I might as well just sit down. We're wandering about here in little 25 times. Well, every eye will see him. Do you realize the billions, trillions, and quadrillions, and the angels, and the new Jerusalem that comes out of it? It has to expand before God can bring heaven down. Whoa. I tell you, you talk about exciting. Do some study on that. And you know what? You'll never say, oh, well, every eye will see him. I don't believe that. Yeah. Oh, what a wonderful time that will be. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Oh, our time's almost gone already. Woo. It said, when, they, when the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, Matthew 24, verse 30, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. He's going to come with great power and with great glory. How's he come? The Bible said power and great glory. It's not secret. Not at all. There's nothing secret about it. The Bible is very clear on that. I mean, how many times have we read Matthew chapter 24, verse 27? So for as the lightning cometh out of the east and also shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of what? Of the Son of Man be. That's pretty clear. Right? If you're out anywhere and you see lightning, even you have your eyes closed, they're still in effect. You see that light. The Bible said that Jesus comes, it's going to be like lightning shining from the east all the way into the west. Awesome. Christ's coming is going to be an audible event. Revelation 16, verse 18 and 20. The Bible said there was noises and thunders and lightning. Mm, at what? Talking about the coming of Jesus here. Does it sound like it's something quiet? Something that's slow? Not at all. Such a mighty earthquake. Every island fled away and the mountains were not found. That sounds noisy to me. Sounds like something is going on. And again, we go back to this passage of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. I could go back there and dwell on that for a while. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord shall descend, notice this, from heaven with a shout and a trump. Woo! He's going to sound the trumpet so loud that it will pierce the ears of the dead. Now, that's pretty loud, is it not? Okay, just something for you to chew on. We'll do it later. Notice that's a shout and a trump of God. Now, let's ask a simple question. Will there be a rapture? Notice this. Not, let me, yeah, let, will there be a rapture? That's called a catch. Yes, there will be. Notice there will be in this sense that there will be a catching up. That's what it means. But not in the sense of a secret rapture because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so. That's pretty clear. Clear from Scripture. The Lord's coming is just the opposite of a secret rapture. In fact, it's literal, right? It's personal. It's visible. It's audible. It's glorious. It's climatic. It's decisive when Jesus comes. Remember, when Jesus comes, I'm telling you, everything needs to be in order because there will not be a second chance. We need to be ready for the coming of Jesus. What is the great danger in our time we have left? There is a great danger in why we even speak on subjects like this. First of all, the Bible tells us about 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. The Bible says to prove how many things? To prove all things, and then you do what? Throw out the rest? No, you hold what? Hold fast to that which is good. You prove all things. The great danger in accepting 
this false teaching of the secret rapture. It teaches people that before Jesus comes, notice this, the church will be what? Will be raptured or taken away, and it will not go through the time of trouble. The little time of trouble, nor the big time of trouble. I've talked to many people who believe this. I'm not going to worry about it because, you know, when things get tough in this world, I'm gone. Now, just what if? What if you're not gone? Have you made preparations? And my, there needs to be some preparations for the coming of the Lord because the Bible is clear. Daniel 12, verse 1, the Bible said, And at that time shall Michael, what? Stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of the people. There shall be a time of trouble, notice this, such as never was uh, since there was a nation. This is talking about before Jesus comes, there's going to be a time of trouble that we haven't seen before. And when you read some of the things that have taken place, you say, how could it be? Remember, God has impressed, right, the writers to put it down. He said there will be a time of trouble. There's time of trouble right now, the time that we're living in right now. There's things happening in the world right now that we better be believing that Jesus is soon to come. We look at the thing, there are warning signs. The judgments of God is falling in the land because what we have rebelled against God's law. We've rebelled against truth. We've watered down the truths of God's word. We're not following the path that God set for us to follow, follow through. You remember in Israel, all God ever said to them is what? Obey my voice. That's all he ever said. Just be obedient and obey my voice. He's saying the same thing to us today, and we've turned a different direction, and we need to turn back before it's too late. God said the men of God need to pick up this and lift up a trumpet and spare not, cry aloud, spare not. This is a time in Joel chapter 2, I think it's 2, isn't it? One? Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm, right? Why? To wake up the people. The enemy's again trying to captivate us and arrange affairs of life that you and I are caught up in all the things that are going on in the world. We're caught up with our jobs. We're caught up with the place, you know, even where we live. We say, well, I'd love to. We have to realize for over 100 and some odd years, we have known the truth that we need to. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody here, but I want you to think about it. I'd, I'd feel bad to go back and not say anything. We know that it's, it's way past time to move out of the cities. We do know that it's way past time. The cities are going to be so closed up one of these days. All you do is look over and where is it, in China? Beijing, look at what's going on over there. Look what can happen in these large cities. God is calling his people out of the city. He's calling them away from the things of this world and to focus upon him and get their life right with God. A time of trouble, Daniel said, at the Daniel chapter 11, when you come to the end of it, is talking about this, this power that exists is coming to an end. At that time, it says, Michael, right? Jesus is going to stand up. Jesus takes the field of action. Jesus begins to fight for his people. Man, what a day. That's called the great controversy that's going on. God's come to deliver his people. Are you going to be one of them? I say right now the world is in a mess. It's in the biggest mess that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. Things are going on. Absolutely. It's, it's, may I say insane? I'm going to use the word goofy. It doesn't make sense. It's happening before our eyes. And some of us are just blinking and say, well, you know. Maybe that's just the way things are happening in the world. God is blowing a trumpet. He said, get prepared. I'm coming. I'm coming to deliver you right now. 
I'm going to stand in your behalf. God stands over his people. He stands under his people. He stands around his people. He stands all around his people. He said, I'm going to be your shield and buckler. I'm going to take care of you. You'll say, well, I'm not sure about that. Did he not in the children of Israel? Did he not take a cloud over them by day because the sun was hot in the wilderness? Did he not have a fire over them at nighttime to keep them warm? He was over them. He was taking care of them as he said, I'll take care of you. We're talking about a time right now, dear friends. Think about this time's coming on us. When a third angel's message comes to a close. The third angel's message is going to come to a close today. And some of you are going to be sound asleep. Some of you are going to be snoring so loud. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. It's time to wake up before then. Why? Because there's one of these days it's going to come to an end. Jesus is going to say it's all over. He stands up in the sanctuary. His work is done as mediator between God and man. We're going to have to live in the sight of a holy God without a mediator. That means we have to be righteous for God. That means we have to so commit our life to him that we live. Now notice, oh, I know it's hard for somebody to live without sin. Why? Because there's no mediator. Revelation 15, verse 8, read it. Revelation 15, verse 8. Smoke fills the temple of God. No one else was able to enter in when he says it's over. There's coming a time when every person on this planet has made a decision either for or against Christ. Man, how about your decision? Have you made that decision for or against Christ? Are you still dilly-dallying around? There's some dilly-dallyers around in here. (laughs) Is it okay to say that? I always love that because I always spit it out first and <laughs> there always is and we don't want that today the time is coming we've been praying for the latter rain experience if you're praying for the latter rain experience that means sin has to go out of your life he's not going to throw his cloak his righteousness over you while there's still one unconfessed sin it's so simple to come to him right now isn't it confess our sins he's faithful and just first john 1 9 john 1 9 if we confess our sins he's what He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we prepared for the time of trouble that's coming on this world? Are we really prepared for it? Well, some of us say, yeah, we are. I look at myself and I don't know. I still think of Joel chapter 2 I mentioned a while ago. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants, the Bible says, of the land notice this. Let us tremble. He didn't say be dancing around and carrying on. The Bible said we live in an hour that we need to tremble before our God. That means we need to really get it right before God. And I say today, if it's not right with God, then why not make it right with God today? You know, in a camp meeting even like this, you know, I just want, I'm just going to close it. I'm closing it. We need to talk some serious business here. Is that all right? We'll talk some serious business here because there'll be someone who came here that's carrying a burden that you shouldn't be carrying. There's things that are going on that shouldn't be, gone, be going on. I know I was awake, awake about 2 or 2.30 this morning, and the Lord impressed my mind and some things that was going on with people who are here, and I don't know and don't know anything about it. He said those things have to cease. And so, needless to say, it kept me up all night. And today's the day to get rid of them, to cast them at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that right? Oh, some of us, we have no idea what an altar's for because we've never come up. This is what the altar is for. Somebody's still with me. This is what an altar is for. And I think the call needs to be given today. That I want to make sure everything's right with God. I want to make sure. Maybe we've drifted away. We need to come. 
Maybe there's something in our life that's a little bit too heavy for us. We can't carry that load, and we're asking Jesus to carry it. You want to cast it at his feet. And so I ask that you would come forward today. We're going to have a special prayer for you. I'm going to ask my wife to get a microphone or something. Come up here. I want you to pray with me. Come up. Yeah, don't, don't hesitate. We just have a few minutes. What we got right here, less than two minutes. There's no use to hesitate. Because there are some here today that we realize, that we even talked to, that they're dealing with evil spirits. And those evil spirits need to go. You raise your hand, okay, you're the one. Okay, today it doesn't need to carry on anymore. It needs to end right now. Some of you are doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. It's time to come up and give them to Jesus. This is the time to make things right with God. Amen. This is what camp meeting's about. This is where the, we begin to taste the latter rain experience as we come on our knees and begging and pleading God that heaven may be our home. Amen. Don't you want it to be your home? Yes, yes. you do. Amen. And you want to lay these things at the feet of Jesus. Today you're going to do that. There's plenty of room. Somebody's scared to come up close to here. Come on up. That's the way. Praise God. That's right. We need not be afraid. You know why? You're not coming up before man. You're coming up before Jesus. That's the right. Spirit of the living God is speaking to your heart. You didn't get up here because man said something. You got up because the Holy Spirit was speaking in your heart and your mind, realizing you need to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that today by the grace of God. Is that not right? Yeah. rest of you right. There's some of you still sit in your seat. You need to get up out of your seat. I'm not trying to be bossy or ugly, but this is the time to make it right, isn't it? We need to have unity of spirit. We want God's work, right? Amen. To go on to Amen. completion. Yes. Right? We want everything. We're going to cast it at his feet, and we're just mm -hmm. going to go out wherever the time is. We're going to go out praying. Is that all right? Amen. We're going to go out as it closes, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. that what you've brought here, you've cast them down, and you're not going to pick them up again. That's right. That's that, right. that has been defeated you day in and day out and no more. The demons have to go. That's right. Yes. The demons have to go. Mm -hmm. A demon's not to control a man at all. Praise God. Right? Yes. Give that mind to Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to yes. pick on it, but you understand. This is, this is a time to be honest and it's okay. This is time. Yes, yes. absolutely.
Mike on. This concludes the podcast of the Rapture Ruse. Till next time, this is Joseph saying thanks for listening.